RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into another edition of the MMA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Foy. It is UFC 273 week. We're going to preview the fight card. Plus, you're going to hear from two Bellator fighters. You're going to hear from Linton Vassell. Of course, we'll be taking on Tim Johnson, which could very well be a number one contender fight for Linton Vassell. Also, you're going to hear from one of the men to be a part of the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix, Danny Sabatello. And, of course, also we'll talk about some news and notes. But uh, Daniel, I'm going through my Twitter timeline on Tuesday and a story comes up in my feed. It's an ESPN.com story that is simply titled Professional Fighters League Challenger Series event flagged for suspicious betting activity after league says fights were pre-taped. So there's maybe we just call this a WDF story of the week. It's like. What in the world is going on here? So when I see first see the story, my first thought was like, hold on. They did a tape delay event? Start going through all these press releases. And, and I put it on my Twitter timeline where I said, hey, here's two press releases from last Thursday. One which indicates it's live. One that doesn't indicate it's live. And the thing that I, part of the story for me is a word that we have brought up when talking about the regulatory side of combat sports transparency hey pfl you tried to tell let be known that this you didn't want people to know this was a tape delayed show like just be goddamn honest with us yeah like what do you have in front of you some of the copy that was produced that and that kind of showed pfl promoting this as a live event so this, these were both press releases sent last Thursday, uh, official weighing results for 2022 PFL Challenger Series. Uh, and this says PFL Challenger Series, week seven to air, Friday, April 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern time, live in all caps, exclusively on FUBU TV's linear sports network, FUBU Sports Network, the PFL Challenger Series gives the fighters the opportunity to join the PFL's global roster. Then there was another uh, press release that said professional fire league challenger series featuring professional debuts set to stream on fubo tv's fubo sports network friday april the first and it goes on to say uh how it'll be a friday april 1st 9 p.m each time exclusively on the fubo tv linear network fubo sports network which to me that's the correct press release the other one sat there it, it uses in all caps live yeah it's crazy and and I believe I read a statement from FUBU that essentially said this is the mistake was reposting old copy points. And in all likelihood, I'm going to think that's the case. I'm thinking this wasn't nefarious. I'm thinking there was negligence. But when you're dealing with sports gambling, negligence is just kind of unacceptable, Jason. I mean, the feds get involved and the feds don't play. And this is just... This might be the WTF story of the year. My initial thought was, first off, before I even really did a deep dive into this article was, man, the PFL has to have some type of a, of clause in their employment contracts and in independent contractors related to betting. has to be. Uh, and this was the statement that uh, Lauren Mack, the head of the PFL PR, uh, sent to ESPN, which, by the way, isn't it interesting 
that the company that breaks this story is their broadcast partner? Yeah, I think it's a matter of maybe ESPN wanting to get ahead of the story because, you know, I'm sure this really rubbed people in that company the wrong way. If you're the PFL, it's just never a good sign for you to be on ESPN whenever you weren't having a broadcast. If you aren't having a fight card and you're on the ESPN Sports Center bottom line, chances are it's not great news. And this is what Lauren Mack uh, wrote in an email to ESPN. Quote, any sports book that took bets on the pre-recorded program did so without the consent or knowledge of the PFL. Uh, Mack wrote in an email adding that the PFL will further evaluate the matter. According to a statement from the PFL included in the U.S. Integrity's alert, the league entered confidential agreements with everyone involved. PFL did not include any betting lines, content, or promotion in connection with the program. But the league posted several tiers to the event on Twitter, including one tweet on Friday evening that posted photos of fighters in the octagon and said, checking out tonight's office and directed people to the streaming link on FUBU TV. Here, to me, was my biggest takeaway from this article. It was at the end of the article. And here's what it said in the article. A spokesperson for DraftKings said in a statement to ESPN that it offered odds on the event in several states. Quote, at the time, we believe the event in question was live. After noticing unusual activity on a number of fights, DraftKings removed the markets on its own accord. According to a statement, quote, we are working with regulatory bodies to determine the appropriate course of action. Here's why that is really interesting to me. DraftKings is a sponsor of the PFL. So I really got to raise a lot of questions at the PFL saying, hold on, you didn't tell the people who invest money in your promotion, the sponsors of this promotion that help it succeed financially, that this was a pre-recorded program. Yeah. It's a complete head scratcher. It really is. And it's kind of crazy that this story broke days after this event took place. It wasn't immediate. And it kind of shows you, like you you brought up a couple weeks ago, the different social media numbers of various MMA promotions. And we had that discussion where, you know, the PFL likes to put out that they're the number two MMA promotion in the world. Simply put, this is the greatest way of kind of showcasing that that is, in fact, not true. The number two MMA promotion in the world is not going to have an event that's on tape that people don't know about. Bellator runs a show on tape. The whole world knows, right? <laughs> it's not four days later yeah. that we have an investigation that, oh, crap, this event was on tape. But I, I would, I would, yeah, I would say this absolutely kind of shows you that the PFL isn't in the spot they believe they are in. And I would almost say anyone betting on a PFL Challenger event should be suspicious. I mean, who are you? I feel bad for the dude who like thinks the event is live and puts a bet in on, on, on that day and is caught up in this mess. Like he just, he's like, ah, oh, screw it. You know, the wife was pretty like upset at me today. I'm going to blow some steam off and, and gamble on some fights and watch them on FUBU TV. And then he finds out that he bet on a fight that already happened a week ago. And that's gotta be just, there's that one person out there that did that. After stories broke, I start working the phones because for me, it's about, okay, I need to find out answers to questions that I have. And, you know, the one thing that was said to me was like, look, they're going to figure out kind of who placed these bets and did they have any affiliation with anyone in relation to this event? 
Now, look, if you're the PFL, best case scenario, just throwing this out there, if, if it's a PFL, it's like someone in the fighters camps that leaked this information out. Worst case scenario, it's someone who's an employee of the PFL. Because if that happens, first off, the federal government's going to come in and God knows what commissions are going to do at that point. Yeah, this is a story that is just we're just talking about. It's just breaking. But without a doubt, it's incredibly serious. And, it, you know, we've seen, I believe, Arizona uh, has taken PFL off of their gambling services. And, and so those are the immediate effects. But this is not a story that's going to be done today or this week. Investigations are going to happen to follow the money of who placed money, who placed bets, who caused the odds to go so wide in, in a guy's favor because they knew he was already won the fight. To further your point about Arizona, and this is what it said uh, here in the ESPN article, it says sportsbooks contacted by ESPN said they are looking to the matter and some books have not settled bets of the event while they are reviewing what happened. The Arizona Department of Gaming is removing the PFL from its wagering catalog, the state's event wagering and fantasy sports administrator told ESPN in an email. So I mentioned about how I made some calls during one of those calls Something was brought to my attention about this. The Arizona Athletic Commission, you know what jurisdiction it falls under? The Arizona no. Department of Gaming. So you can't you gotta imagine at this point the PFL can't go to, to Arizona anymore. I guess so. Yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. That that department is inside the department of gaming. Oh, Wow, I, that's crazy. I that's a that's a crazy note. Absolutely to tack on that. I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, it's kind of independent of one another, but it, it's kind of one of those things where like the state just said we saw something bad. You're out of here. Like just one thing, you're gone. So yeah, I I, I do think we, we probably won't see a PFL event in Arizona anytime soon. But it, it doesn't stop here. I really don't think so. Once again. PFL is in the news for the wrong reasons. PFL should be in the news this week because they just announced their May 6th event that's going to be headlined by Kayla Harrison. Ray Cooper III's on that card. Roy McDonald's on that card. Anthony Pass is on that card. Like, that should be the, to the, the topic of conversation on the PFL. But when you have this type of story out there, this is an awful look for the PFL, and you know the power players in the PFL have got to be sitting there going, oh, God, please don't let this be one of our employees at leak results. And first off, yeah, maybe, maybe you should just been transparent from the far from the start saying, hey, this is tape delayed show. Exactly. I mean, that should have been it. They should have been on it. But my gut instinct is this just just a matter of a promotion with not a lot of resources dotting the I's and crossing the T's and it bit him in the butt big time. I mean, it's just the infrastructure of it that this looks to me like an organization that just didn't have the proper infrastructure and the, the fault was in that, that is the best case scenario for the PFL. But otherwise this is a, this is crazy, man. It, it's just nuts. It's been an off season where the PFL re-signed the most valuable fighter they've ever had. And, and consistently, so many of the news stories have been negative and they've been self-inflicted negative stories. I, I think one of, it would be interesting if after UFC 273 at the post-fight press conference, if a reporter asked Dana White about this story, it would be interesting to 
hear the number one promoter in the game of what he thinks about this story. Yeah, I, I think that's something that he'll probably treat like catnip. And oh, so, I, my, my guess it. would be is that he would probably come out and say that, hey, we, we have a, a policy here. Um, it's something that we monitor. But like if you're the PFL, this this is this is bad news. I mean, this is not good news at all for them. And there has got to be like if you if you look at their statement, I mean, you can tell they're in crisis mode right now. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. Like this is this is literally you are dealing with like possible criminal behavior on a challenger's event. You of, know, of Just, all guys making their pro debuts, Daniel. Like this was yeah. this was regional MMA at its best. Yeah, a promotion claiming to be number two in this in this in this game made a regional MMA mistake, and uh, you know, hopefully for them, this is the last time we talk about it. But my gut instinct is that it's not. I mean, this is just such an outrageous story that just it, it's a water cooler conversation across the country in terms of it could be one of those because it's just. Did you hear about that event that people bet on that happened a week ago? Like that's just crazy. I remember. I mean, it was on the main page of ESPN.com. And by the way, the two people who wrote who broke this story are not MMA writers. Which is kind of like it's one of those things that because of they are broadcast partners, I wonder how much this story went up the chain at ESPN before they decided to put it out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, this is a story that I don't know. Maybe, possibly, I could certainly see that happening. I, I feel like a lot of the people at the top of ESPN aren't really thinking about the PFL too much. So it, it's definitely something that, like it's not like. They're the e- UFC, right? It's not like they're the NFL. This is a, a minor partner that they do business with. And so it's probably got to just be irritating. Yeah. And I think because of that irritating, they're like, we're going to get out in front of this and we're going to investigate the hell out of this and we're going to make that public, you know? I think it would be very, it'd be very interesting to know what the Texas Commission thinks of this right now because the PFL regular season starts in two weeks. It's in Texas. It's there in Arlington, Texas. I, you know, they're going to want to say three, three or four shows in Arlington, and then uh, they'll go over to uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta, Georgia area. I mean, and look, and I think if you're the Florida State Boxing Commission, you got to, you know what, you they're probably looking at this going, is this related to us? Mm-hmm. Did, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that this is something that's not going to, it's it's not going to go. We're going to know an answer soon. I don't think this is something that you're not going to know an answer for six months from now. But if you're the PFL, I mean, you, you just, I mean, first off, just be transparent. I mean, you know, I mean, we, you know, look, I, I don't like the way they, they, uh, they pitch themselves, I guess you'd say. But like, if you're doing a tape delay event, as much as I, I totally disagree about doing tape delay in 2022, it's like, just say it. If they would have come out and said, hey, guys, we, uh, we tape delayed this show, or I don't know. Hey, one of your partners operates a sports book. How do you not tell them it's a pre-taped show? Yeah, or, you know, for advertisement, right? That's just less valuable ad space if you're doing it on a tape show. But, yeah, I uh, it's just, you know, there's not many things you can sweep under the rug from the federal government. So whatever is there, it, it will come out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, 
it encapsulates the WTF story, man. It, it, that topic. I mean, I, I wish we probably should have started the year off writing down every single week what the WTF stories are, because I think at the end of the year, it would be truly amazing to see just how much pure lunacy happened throughout the year. And this one takes the cake. But I feel like I've said that <laughs> like eight times this year already. Yeah, I, I feel like there'll be something on top of the story. But uh, let's get into the first interview of this episode of the Ameriport Podcast. You're going to hear from Linton Vassell, be a part of Bellator 277 here on April the 15th as he takes on Tim Johnson. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's back inside the Bellator cage here, Bellator 277. Linton, as always, man, appreciate the time. Uh, I was uh, your most recent Instagram post uh, as we're, we're doing this conversation. Uh, you yeah. wrote, loving what you do and doing what you love just hit that soul differently, people. Which made me think about where does does the love for martial arts and the love for the fight game happen at the same time or were they t- at two different times in your life? Um, I'm going to say it all happened at once. Um, soon as I, I joined the gym, I was like, on oh, my days, I can do this. Like I never thought, so watching it, I never wanted to do it. That's, that's what the crazy thing was. And then I, I went to the gym, started training and I was like, I love this. And then when I went into them to had my first fight, I was like, I just won and I get paid for this. This is crazy. And it really is like, damn, this is something I really love to do now. And I can fight as well and get paid. It just it just sort of fell into place. And, and, what and if, it just came to me the other day. I thought, I'm actually doing something that I love and do what you love. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well. yeah, I think that's that's all we want. But the one of the things I noticed is one of the hashtags I saw you put was hashtag good vibes only, which kind of made me think about like a, a fire mindset of, you know, the, yeah. the, the cliche we hear in athletics is block out the noise. Exactly. It, it, has that taken time for you, though? Of course. I, I'm not going to lie. Of course. Back in the day, I used to read all comments and stuff <laughs> and be like, oh, it's they said I'm not good or they said this, but it's, it's comments. And if people aren't talking about you, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you're exactly you right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if no one's saying nothing, then it's like, oh, well, no one's actually talking about so no, one, no one's watching me. No one cares, you know? So those, those negative and all, even the good, it all helps. And kind of going back what you talked about, you know, loving what you do and, and thinking about the evolution of your career, of course, you know, yeah. for, for people who've been watching Bellator for a long time, they, they remember the, the 205 pound version of Lint Vassell. And now yeah. we've got the yeah. heavyweight version <clears throat> has the, the mindset changed in a way of, because of heavyweight, obviously you're not having to worry about the weight cut. Yeah. Oh, seriously. So much. When I was like heavyweight, I used to think I had to be the biggest in my weight class, you know, to have that advantage. But what it did to me, it took away my, my cardio. I was, I was like, my mindset wasn't right because of cutting all that weight. So I'm actually killing myself before the actual fight. So when it, when it came to the fight and, and I didn't win and stuff, I started doubting myself. Like, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously, then I went on a, a good win win ratio. Um, so then obviously it changed, but it just got harder and harder to cut weight. You know, so I was like, 
240 Linton, heavyweight Linton needs to, <laughs> needs to come out. And it's definitely the best thing I've ever done. It, it really it, is. It makes me think about, um, you know, because the UFC main event the week uh, a week previous was Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins. Yeah. And yes. after the fight came out, Curtis Blades, he says, like, look, I'm not trying to downgrade my opponent, but just because yeah. you weigh 240 pounds doesn't mean you're a heavyweight. When you yeah. made that transition to the Bellator heavyweight division, was that part of it sitting there going that first fighting going, okay, I got to kind of see how I, how I, I feel against these guys. Yeah. And again, I made, I made a mistake um, in my first heavyweight fight. So I walk around about two forty. So I just thought if I'm heavyweight. I can eat what I want. <laughs> and again, it was a bit, bit of me being dumb and naive so I was eating what I like and obviously just blowing up and not, not thinking of it. And I weighed um, 247. So going from 205 fighting and then my normal weight was about 230 and I just blow, sorry, 235. So I just blown up all that weight and had a fight. I looked good for the first round and a bit, uh-huh. but then I slowly, 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 slowly got exhausted and... Hey, <laughs> feeling like that, you feel like you're helpless. Like, I was on my back, and I knew what to do. I could hear my coaches yeah. screaming, reverse this. Couldn't do nothing. So I said to myself, never again am I doing that. So I went back, spoke to my strength Christian coach, Corey Peacock, and he said, what, what happened? What did I do wrong, you think? And he's like, well, one of the things was you blew up to 247 from going from, you know, 235, 238, you know, straight to that. It's, you've got, you went from here straight to there. Um, so it was like, you know what, where do you feel good at? And I said, I walk around about 238, so 240. Mm-hmm. Why don't we, we, we keep it like an even even number? And and look at my record now, you know, three three big wins, two finishes, and, uh, and uh, I was out-wrestled a wrestler. <laughs> so it shows it shows you, you know, two forty Linton, you know, um, ready for that title belt, ready for that title. You know, and speaking about that matchup against Fortune, kind of made me wonder because of the fact that you and Tim, your opponent here, have both fought him. Yeah, was part of this camp a comparison and contrast of how you fought him as opposed to how Tim fought him? Um, not so much. You know, I don't really worry about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just do me and get myself ready because I feel like if I start worrying about how Tim got ready or vice versa, I'm thinking too much. Getting ready for a fight is hard enough, you know. Um, so, yeah, I try not to think of it like that. I just train the way I'm going to train and how I'm going to handle, you know, deal with, with Tim, you know. Um, and I feel like when I, when I do that and just focus on that opponent rather than other things outside – I do well and I, and I handle my business is the mental side preparing for a fight harder than the physical side. Yes, it, it really is. Cause again, we're human. Of course we doubt ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you get, get a bit older. Have I really got it? You get injured. Oh, to feel I can still fight. You might, you might get, might get, uh, have a bad round or maybe I'm not ready, but you know, these are all, all part of the game. And I really wouldn't change it. You know, it, um, it actually does make you better. 
Is there something about Tim's abilities that you think people have underestimated about him? Of course. He's, he's, he's a strong, big dude, man. He hits hard. He's got a good, great ground game. You know, I mean, he's got a good gas tank as well. You know what I'm saying? So um, he went on the tear. You know, I feel like if he would have beat Tyrell, he would have probably gone fight, fight for the belt as well. Um, so, yeah, people do underestimate him, but you, you shouldn't because, again, he's, he's still in the top five. And I ain't underestimating him one, one bit, you know. He is in that top five and he's in my way. If I underestimate him, then I've done myself injustice. I know in our past conversations, you know, the one thing you have said, you and check will never fight. That's something that yeah. you're not wanting to do. He's got a title fight coming up. I think a lot of people look at you in this spot and say, you're potentially fighting for the title next. I know. But I what know. happens if check wins? That's a conversation we have to speak to. We're going to have to talk, haven't we? Because I want to be champion of us. He wants to be champ. So obviously we have to have that conversation, you know. Um, again, he is, a, he is a good friend and the same as Steve Murray, you know. But that's something we have to talk about, you know. I mean, Czech is, you know, Czech's fighting late in, late in his career. You know, we usually don't see fighters that late. Can you see yeah. yourself at that age still competing? I like to say no. <laughs> I like to say no. Only, bec- only because I'm not that, that age yet. You know, um, I've had a good... Well, I've had a great career, should I say, you know, so I'd like to think, you know, I don't want to put a, a time limit on it, but at some point it'd be nice to be like, you know, I, I did it. I became world champ, you know, I defended it, you know, I've, I've done what I wanted to do. Now it's time to enjoy, enjoy myself and relax, relax in the Caribbean or something. Now, now let's say, you know, your next fight is for the title. It would be the ideal scenario for it to be somewhere in the UK. I would love that. I'll, that would be ideal to fight in the UK and become a world champion in front of my peoples. You, you couldn't write it any better. You know. You know what I'm saying? So that, that again, that, that's like a story tale kind of thing, isn't it? You know. So yeah, if that if that happens, that would be that'd be set. Would there be a bucket list venue in the UK for you? Well, I'd love to fight. Um, what's it called? The Royal Albert Hall, but. It's not even, they don't even do, mm-hmm. they don't even do events there no more. So I guess it would have to be Wembley. Is, is there anything you, you know, obviously you're trained, you know, in South Florida. Is there something about back home that you miss above all else? My peoples. <laughs> I hate the weather, but it really is my peoples, you know. And obviously like little thing like home comforts, like going down the shops and buying some fish and chips. <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that here. Well, there's no fish and chip shops. <laughs> there, um, there's yeah, there's really, got to be at least one fish and chip British spot not, in it's Miami. Not the same though, it's not. It's not the same. Doesn't matter. Even if they try, it's not. It's not UK. You can try. I've had the Caribbean food here as well. It's nothing like my mum's cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's good, but it's nothing like my grandma's and my mum's. Um, so yeah. Um, Home comforts and obviously my peoples. I, I, I miss them probably the most. All right, we'll leave on this. What's if uh, what? What's the number one mom and grandma food item that you miss? Um, for my mom, it's a um, curry goat. Okay. And my grandma, it's a chow mein and chicken. All right. So my grandma's half Chinese, half Jamaican. So she goes 
cooks that know that the chow mein and then the Jamaican chicken on a combination, mate. <laughs> but does, but does that, that uh, you can see how happy I am, so I can't wait to eat that. But the question is, could you could you in, uh, take in that food during a fight camp when you're you're trying to eat clean? No, no, it's after <laughs> that kind of stuff's after that's, celebration food. That's awesome, awesome, Lynn. That man, as always, uh, appreciate time. Of course, everyone can watch your Thank fight you. uh, live on Showtime Bellator two seventy seven. Uh, I, I know uh, f- uh, fighting for autism has been something that you've been behind as an ambassador. Is there anything yes. else you want to uh, let people know that you're involved with in right now? Um. Other than again fighting for autism, um, I've got my my t-shirts coming out as well. So again, if you're a big Swarm fan or you're just joining in, um, go onto my social media, which is LD Vass. Um, sorry, LD Vass underscore the Swarm, and on my bio, you can um, log on there and actually um, get a t-shirt if if you'd like to support the cause. And also, I'm doing now better tour cameos also as well. So if you want a happy birthday, a get well, any anniversaries, hit me up and I'll wish you one of those special days for you. Awesome, Lit, man. I appreciate time and uh, look forward to seeing the fight, man. Respect. And that was my conversation with Linton Vassell. appreciate him coming on the podcast. Talk about his matchup coming up here on April the 15th. Bellator 277 as he takes on Tim Johnson. And uh, kind of fascinating. I, I brought up Czech Congo. Of course, Czech is going to be taking on Ryan Bader. And, you know, Linton Vassell is very close with Czech Congo. And I remember, I don't know, last time I, I interviewed him, time before, he had basically said to me, Daniel, no, I'll never fight Czech Congo. You've heard what he said. Makes me seem like uh, maybe that door is open if uh, Czech gets the uh, wins the heavyweight title here. Yeah, man, I, I will say not a fight I'm looking forward to if that one does happen. But yeah, that is interesting, and I think a lot of times you say one thing, but when it becomes a reality, and there's a lot on the line for you, uh, things change. But I, I will say I, I don't think that proposition will be something that Vassell will have to entertain. Because I think, you know, Ryan Bader deserves to be a favorite. But Chet Congo is the type of guy that can go in there with someone who has a higher skill level. But because of his game plan, he can muck it up and outpoint a dude. So possibly for Lennon, it's a choice he may have to make. I think in all likelihood, though, he will not have to do that. And I think when you look at this Bellator heavyweight division, that to me, if Lynn Vassell gets the win, he will be next. He will get the winner of that fight. You know, the, the thing that really stuck out to me about where this Bellator heavyweight division is at this point, of course, you've got the Fedor aspect. Fedor, it's been kind of known that he, he would like to fight Ryan Bader, but of course, what's going on in our world, who knows when Fedor will have that retirement fight. But to me, Limsell goes out there, get the win. It did find interesting in that conversation where he talked about the fact of his first heavyweight fight, which I want to say he weighed like 247 pounds for. He talked about the interview about how he felt he just weighed too much and how he feels kind of sweet spot is at 235 to 238 pounds. But of course, uh, Bellator 277, of course, headlined by Pitbull and McKee. Bellator's actually doing a uh, press conference here. Where those two guys will be there, uh, in L- I want to say, say they're doing it in L.A. So, uh, and then of course also you got Corey Anderson and uh, Nimkov, the co-main event. So really looking forward to that event come up here. Then of course they've got those shows coming up here in Hawaii. Of course later on the show you hear the conversation I had with Danny Sabatello. But uh, Daniel, this week it's UFC two seventy three. True false. My answer is true. By the way, on this one, the fighter you're most excited to watch on Saturday is Hamzat Chimaev. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say Tisha Torres. Uh, true. <laughs> it's true. It's it, You could have headlined this a bit with Shemaev and Gilbert Burns and on top of two championship fights. And I don't know how many people would complain about it, but the answer is true. All you got to do is log on to your favorite MMA website and look at the front page. It's Shemaev calling out everybody underneath the sun. Say he's going to smash him, beat him up, destroy Usman, destroy Adesanya. You know, it's all that or Logan Paul calling out whomever. Like, it's the Chimaev show. This looks to be a pay-per-view where it's the crowning moment for Chimaev as a, as a main event player of the UFC. So, without a doubt, the answer is Chimaev, Jason. And the thing is... It's not because the other fights aren't interesting. We have a fight that has like two plus year build between Jan and Sterling. And we got the damn Korean zombie going up against maybe like the third best fighter in the UFC, Volkanovski. I mean, look, I'm excited for this card on Saturday night. I I think that, I mean, the, the top three fights are amazing. I mean, now look. Do I think the betting lines are being extremely disrespectful to Gilbert Burns? Yes, I do. Think about this. So Gilbert Burns is a plus 400 betting underdog. Daniel, against Kamaru Usman, he was a 2-1 to betting underdog. Take that one in. So does that tell you that if today, like, let's say this fight gets scratched. Okay, let's say this fight gets scratched and Shemaev just gets a title opportunity without fighting again. That tells me he's going to be a favorite against Usman. I think he would be a pick fight. I really do. I mean, look. That's crazy. This is my my thought. If he, it, meaning he, meaning Shemaev, if he goes out there and does what he has done to his other three opponents. Now, look drastic step up in competition you know when you're talking about who he's fought before i mean obviously had a good opponent his last one but if he goes out there and destroys gilbert burns in the manner that he has done for his other ufc opponents there is not a doubt in my mind he is getting the winner of usman and edwards which is slated for july 100 percent 100 percent he might even get the opportunity before edwards does if edwards gets injured if edwards pulls out of that fight jamiah slips in and he becomes the next title challenger this is a guy the ufc wants to promote and it makes all the sense in the world if guys don't want to fight you chances are you're probably one of the best on the planet and, and that's who jamiah is man i uh, loved the interview gilbert burns did with luke thomas and uh was it brian campbell yeah uh, morning combat just a great 45 minute interview he talked about how he wanted to fight Chimaev. he wanted to fight anyone he wants to fight the best in the world and he's getting just that look there's a part of me like if, if gambling was legal in texas i would put like 50 dollars on a three-way parlay for burns sterling and korean zombie and i would do it because i don't think i don't think that's going to happen i obviously obviously but wouldn't it be something, Jason, if like the three massive underdogs all pulled off the upsets at UFC 273? Like that would be crazy. And I could absolutely see Burns winning and I could see Korean Zombie catching Volkanovski just because Korean Zombie can catch anyone. Can't really see Sterling beating Neon, but still, I, w- I would certainly do that. When it comes to this fight between Hamza and Burns, I think it's going to come down to two things. One, the strength of Jemayev. Is his strength going to allow him to negate the grappling prowess of Gilbert Burns? That's a real possibility that I think may allow him to just use the ground and pound to destroy him. And secondly, it's the stand-up. 
what does the stand-up look like in this fight, Jason, to you? Because obviously Burns is a phenomenal grappler, so maybe that entices Hamzat, who has looked phenomenal on the feet. What do you think that looks like if these two guys are standing for this fight? Before I get to that, you're a uh-huh. three-fighter parlay. Yeah. So if you uh, made that bet over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you got Zombie plus 500, Sterling plus 360, Burns plus 400. The odds on that, plus 13,700. On a hundred dollar bet. If I- <laughs> so if you place a hundred dollar bet on that, you'd win thirteen thousand dollars. I would do that. I, w- I need to go to Las Vegas. Look, look, okay, you know, gonna- like if you're going to play the Chad Dunnis and Ben Folks twenty dollars, you never want to uh, see again. Is that going to happen? No. I mean, this is my thing. My biggest question with Hamzat Chemaev is, what happens if adversity hits? We have no idea how he's going to react. Let's not forget, Gilbert Burns rocked Kamaru Usman in their matchup. Rocked him. What happens if he can do that? I mean, to me, one of the questions with Hamzat is, does he go with the wrestling base here and take Go Up Burns down? And now you're potentially on the ground with a guy who's known about his jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That, that to yeah, me, is part of the question. I mean, like, you tell me right now, look, from a betting aspect, I totally get why you put money on Gilbert Burns. But all I can tell you is when I talk to people who've been around Hamzat Shemaev or known people who've been around Hamzat Shemaev and his training, they talk great. There's a video out there I saw on Instagram of like from like five years ago, Brian Stan on a UFC Q&A talk about how great Hamzat Shemaev is. Yeah, yeah, that went viral. And that was, I miss Brian Stan. He was amazing. Um, it, it does feel like Chimaev's just kind of like destined to be a champion, destined to be an all-time great. Straight up, though, I'm picking Gilbert Burns to beat Chimaev in this fight. And I don't feel good about it. It's not fun. But the thing is, I just, I can't, I haven't watched the sport for a very long time. When I see a guy take a massive step up in competition. He has a lot of hype around him. Mm-hmm. I want to pick the other guy. If the other guy's a massive dog, I want to pick the other guy. You know, Gilbert Burns has already had the moment of thinking you're on top of the world and getting humbled. And he's learned from that. And he's performed at a high level. And he's in his prime. And Shemayev is probably in his prime as well. So I'm going to pick Gilbert Burns just because I've seen this story before, the uber-hyped prospect, and, and Shemaev's not a prospect, he's a top-ten fighter, but the uber-hyped guy gets humbled when he takes on the top three guy in the weight class who's been a part of that conversation for three years. So I'm picking Burns. I obviously don't feel good about it. How could you when you pick against Shemaev? But this is the type of fight where I'm picking Burns because of the history of this sport. I, I really want to pick Burns in this one just because of the experience aspect. But I just, there, there's times where when I constantly have people telling me these things about a fire, man, it's, you know what? I, I've kind of feel like we're, is this going to be kind of that showcase moment? And I mean, look, there are not many top 10 welterweights like Gilbert Burns, like Neil Magny, like Bilal Muhammad, who sit there and say, I want Hamza Chemaev. You know, it, it, it's, it's like a, at, at lightweight who the hell's calling out Islam Mahachev, even though exactly. God, I forget who I was listening to. And I guess, and look, I love Nolan King over MMA junkie. And so I guess he had this article about, uh, 12 fighters that make the most sense for Conor McGregor's next fight. 
And apparently they put and they put Islam Mahashev in this article, which is like why. It, like, there's no way Connor takes that fight, but like the storyline is simple. It's the Habib factor, but still, like zero percent chance Connor takes that fight. You know, that's crazy. No, look, I, I still think I think the fight to to make. Uh, yeah, it was twelve possible opponents. Next, it says Connor McGregor's next fight. Twelve realistic opponents for his next fight. That's not realistic at all. Okay. Some of these make sense. Nate Diaz. Totally makes sense. Michael Chandler makes a ton of sense. Tony Ferguson makes a ton of sense. Charles Oliveira makes financial sense for Charles Oliveira. Justin Gaethje makes a lot of sense. Kamar Usman makes zero sense of your, your, your McGregor, but he'd probably chase the title. So you take that fight. Rafael Dos Anjos makes a ton of sense. Islam Mahachev. I don't know how Masvidal doesn't make that list. Here's an interesting name. Robbie Lawler. Uh, Masvidal does make this list. Robbie Lawler, oh, I thought, yeah. was a, is a very interesting name. That's a good one, for especially like if you want to get Connor the victory. That's a great fight. I, I That one's not box office enough for me. You know, like some of those fights just aren't box office enough for me. Like, it's, I almost think the Chandler fight isn't box office enough for me. If I'm Connor, like I'm looking at that Nate, I'm looking at a title fight or I'm looking at that Nate Diaz Masvidal name value type fight. I mean, like, look, if you do the Masvidal fight, do you just kind of sell the uh, the outside the octagon antics? <laughs> BMF yeah, belt is on the yeah. line. These two dudes yeah. live that life. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just do Poirier again. I don't for Dustin. I don't know why that would make sense at this point. Uh, uh, let me see. I mean, financially, it makes sense. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, it makes dollars. It doesn't make sense, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Logically, you're right. So I don't know if we talked about this last week on the show. Uh, I think we may have the co-main event: Aljamain Sterling and and Peter Yan. Did you realize that Peter Yan was seven for seven in takedown attempts in our first fight? I think so. I think we talked about that, but I'm not sure. But yeah. it was it was amazing. So this was back UFC 259, which was the car headline by Bohovich and Adesanya. Of course, that was in the small cage at the UFC Apex. This is now will be in the big 30-foot cage there in Jacksonville. When you go back and you watch the first fight, I think you do forget Sterling got off to a good start in this matchup, but uh, that cardio wind out, and then, man, Peter Yan just took over. I was listening to Ray Longo on the Anakin Forian podcast this week, and I thought it was really interesting that he noted the fact that Aljo did his entire training camp uh, in Long Island at Sarah Longo, did not train at all in Las Vegas. Uh, noted Matt Sarah has been a part of this entire camp. However, Matt will not be in his corner on Saturday night because he has a, a prior obligation. I want to say it was a, a police charity function that he's going to be at. But uh, I do like the fact that Aljo has been uh, in Long Island. I mean, hell, when you're training alongside Rob Davishvili every, every day, um, I know they brought in Adrian Yanez to help uh, prepare Aljo for this fight as well. I, I like Yan to win this matchup. I think a lot of it is based on what we saw in that second in that first fight. And, and to me, it comes down to. I mean, A, you know, you have a quote-unquote healthy Aljamain Sterling, got the surgery done, all that, but I just look at Peter Yan. I think Peter Yan's the best 135 in the world. Yeah, yeah. I rewatched this fight today, and it was hard not to watch it and, and, and come on here and pick Sterling. I mean, it's just, 
it was dominant from Jan after the, the get-go, after the, the beginning portion of this fight. And it showed you that the skill level is just different and the physicality in terms of cardio is different. And it's crazy how big the wrestling game was won by Peter Jan, man, in that fight. And and we've known since, like, he defended 400 takedowns for Uriah Faber that Peter Jan was a hell of a wrestler. But offensively, it was impressive against Aljo. So, yeah, Peter's the pick here. The thing with Sterling is this is a guy who consistently throughout his career has showcased unlimited potential. There's a real possibility that in this training camp when he just locked in and changed himself in a big way and he can go out and and showcase some of those moments of just perfection inside the cage we've seen. So that's a possibility. Out of my three upset picks, this would be the one I'm feeling the worst about. I'm definitely taking Peter Yon in this fight. You know, damn and Bantamweight, I want to see Peter take on Marab, actually. That would be a great fight down the line. But, yeah, I'm locking Yon here against Sterling. The one thing I hope is that the reputation of Aljamain Sterling changes after this fight. I hope that he performs good enough to where we can kind of move on from what happened when he won the championship because it's kind of a shame what happened there where he got hit with that illegal strike and uh, – he, he's the villain. And to some extent, you know, he leaned into that for sure. But it would be nice for that to not be his reputation when it's all said and done because he's one hell of a fire. I mean, the one thing that I, I look, if Aljo is going to win this fight, Aljo is either a getting this fight to the ground or somehow he gets on the back of Jan. To me, that's the way he wins this fight. I just don't expect it to happen. Uh, I, I think Peter Jan's going to win this one. You might want to, you know, you might, if you're going to do a prop bet on this one, you, Peter Jan by decision may be a good one out there, but I feel like you might be sweating that uh, a, a little bit. Uh, you know, the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky and the Korean Zombie. I mean, look, this should be a fun stand-up matchup. It's, it's not really a matchup that you're going to expect either one of these guys to truly go for a takedown unless maybe they get rocked here. But, you know, the reality is when you're talking about the, the Zombie, he's 3-2 and two in his last five fights. Win against Danny Gay, win against Frankie Yeager, win against Nato Mancano, and losses against Yair Rodriguez, which we know, you know, him losing a fight right there at the end. And then, of course, uh, a loss to Brian Ortega. I mean, th- like this to me, of course, this was supposed to be uh, Max Holloway and Volkanovsky locking heads again here. But uh, this is another situation where I-, I like the champion here. I think the champ's going to retain the title. I think he'll be able to use his striking. Um, and-, and I think he gets a stoppage at some point in this fight. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think this is going to be the fight of the night without a doubt because that's just how the Korean zombie fights, man. I mean, going back to the fight with Leonard Garcia, he's been one of the most entertaining fighters we've ever seen compete in this sport. So Volkanovski, I mean, completely opened my eyes in his last fight. Things changed with that last fight. He went from a, just a featherweight champion to like, uh, like this guy's going to hold on to this title for a very long time. It was just a phenomenal thing. The two things that worry me for Volk is he's had a long athletic career, and at some point the wheels are going to come off. This does not appear to be that time. He fought the best fight of his life in his most recent fight. The thing with the Korean Zombie that makes you excited about maybe picking that upset is despite those two losses, Korean's offensive, uh, Korean Zombie's offensive firepower is so top-notch that he can put away anybody, and he has a willingness to take strikes from his opponent 
in order to give a strike of his own. So he can go in there with no striking defense, take the shot from Volkanovski, but to give himself that opportunity to land a shot of his own. So even if Volk is technically better on the feet, Jung is still going to try and pierce him and hit him with that power shot. And it's just one shot that needs to he needs to, to put Volkanovski away. So that's why Korean Zombie is a live dog, because he deserves to be a live dog if he's fighting anybody. He has that fight-ending ability. But overall, contrasting the skill sets of these two and their six most recent fights, Volkanovski is the pick here. I think he wins by decision, though. Yeah, I mean, I do like Volkanovski to win that. Uh, you know, Daniel, there's uh, there are certain things that we can count on in life. Death, taxes, and Tisha Torres is going the distance. <laughs> the thing is that Dirk, Dirk could catch her in a sub. You're right, though. You're right. Did Tisha, Tisha finish her last fight, right? Yeah, she uh, two fights she ago against Sam Hughes. Oh. So uh, she yeah. has 18 professional fights. Uh, 16 yeah. of those 18 professional <laughs> fights have gone the distance. That would get her an A plus in whatever grade, you know, whatever test she took. That's a, you're totally right, bro. I mean, it comes down to like her fight style, the lack of power, et cetera, being content to win on the points. She's always been a top tier fighter. I mean, I think she's probably going to be darn, but again, if she goes and she closes the distance, there's no women starweight fighter. You want to spend time on the ground with, less than Mackenzie Dern. Oh, she's got the credentials and she showed it. So yeah, it actually, I think the video posted today, but uh, myself and Pete, we recorded our betting video for awesome on, on Tuesday. And uh, so yeah. I text him. I was like, Hey man, let me know what, what plays you're going to mention on the show. And then he goes, let me guess your prop. Tisha Torres wins by decision. I go, you know it, you know it. What's the odds on that? What's the odds uh, on that? Ranges anywhere from as low as plus 125, as high as plus 163. That's a hell of a bet right there. I, mean, I think that's, that's going to be the result. If you're Tisha Torres, just don't play the grappling. Just just go and, and make this a, a boxing and a kickboxing matchup. And, and don't let uh, Mackenzie Dern get you to the ground. I mean, look, for Mackenzie Dern, how do you bounce back from that loss, Rodriguez? You know, how, what lessons do you take away from that fight? But to me, I, I like Tisha Torres to go out there and win this fight. But I mean, look, look, the reality is... This fight's likely going uh, 15 minutes. You know, like some other things that interest me when it comes to this card, Ian Gary, the prospect out of Ireland, made his UFC debut last year, now training down Sanford MMA, which I thought was interesting. I, I forget what outlet had the story, but it was basically his way of saying, I need to leave Ireland to test myself, which I thought was kind of a, a, an interesting comment there. So he's someone that I'm very interested in. See how he does. Take on Darian Weeks. I do expect that that's kind of a, a little bit of a showcase f- matchup. Um, you know, I'm interested to see Marco Matson taking on Vince Michelle too. Marco Matson training there at Fight Ready. So of course he's been alongside with the Korean Zombie. Of course trains uh, at Fight Ready when he's here in the United States. He's got that wrestling advance. Vince Michelle has been taken down. I want to say the number is last four fights. He's been taken down. I want to say 15 times. Marco Madsen, the only question is, does he have three-round cardio? We've seen some issues there with there. Uh, what else sticks out with you about this card? Well, you, you nailed the top two fights for sure. I mean, Pichelle's so much fun to watch, but yeah, Madsen's probably going to make it a boring fight. Um, uh, I would say the two other fights would be, one, Kay Hansen is a very important uh, woman's strawweight fighter who's lost uh, and, and had a tough time. She was so young when she debuted, and she's still incredibly young. 
she's someone to keep an eye on because she could be a, a top top woman straw weight five years from now. So to see her fight Pierre Rodriguez, this is a clear step down for her, and she needs to perform. I think the other fight that kind of gets my interest though is uh, the fight between uh, Jairzino Rosenstrike and, and Marcin Tibera. I mean, this is a matchup between top heavyweights. This is a good little heavyweight scrap. It, I think we're going to see a Jairzino Rosenstrike knockout. I think he's going to showcase his power here. But obviously, Tibera is, to me, the fighter that you, you, you think has the better overall fight skill. But I like Jairzino to win. I think that's going to be pretty good. But I, I do think when the prelims are done... Ian Gary is going to be the guy we're going to be talking about. Man, I just pulled up Kay Hansen's topology page. I feel old. She was born August the 14th, 1999. I thought it was going to be 2000, Jason. At that point, I was starting my senior year in high school. Wow, I'm old. Wow. You are old. And that's because I'm old, too. You know, I was born 96, you know. But, uh, yeah, you old fart. But, hey, man, you don't have to feel that old. I tell you, this is how you don't feel old, brother. You go on Tapology and you log on to Alexi Olenek's Tapology page <laughs> and you can feel a lot better about yourself. Okay. If, if someone said you had to make a, a, a pick on that fight and, like, you lose something <laughs> valuable, I, I don't know who I'd pick in that fight. I really don't. I'd pick, I'd pick Olenek because the thing is, like, I feel like what Jared – okay, first off, I don't think Jared Vanderbilt is going to knock him out. I really don't. Uh, I think Vanderbilt is going to want to, like – what Vanderbilt does good – plays into Olenek's grappling game. So I'm picking Olenek to win. I just, you know, if this fight's a stand-up fight, I don't think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, so I would pick Olenek, bro, just because Vander's path to victory goes directly into what Olenek does amazing. I'm sad. He literally, and also, uh, Vanderall wasn't expecting a fight, right? Like he's he's filling in for Eler, so yeah, I would go with I would go with Olenek here, and I'm sad Eler Latifi's on this card. I, I really wanted to see him fight, and uh, hey man, you also have Aspen Ladd. That's a UFC main eventer there against Raquel Pennington. Yeah, I was just looking at the uh, prop bets. Olenek wins via submission plus one fifty. Vander Vandera winning by TKO KO plus one sixty five. And man, if you really want to get froggy, Jared Vandera via submission twenty plus twenty two hundred. Oh my god, dude, that'd be crazy if you put money on that and you won it because he got submission via punches. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the K Hansen, of course, her last fight was at one twenty five. Now back at one fifteen. See what she looks like here. But I mean, look, if she loses on on Saturday, I think her her time her her, her stint in the UFC will be over. But I mean, like you mentioned, she she's twenty two years old. You know, so she could clearly work her way back there, you know, and then uh, Josh Frim is another one um, making his UFC debut. Of course, uh, he was on uh, the um, the Dana White looking for a fight uh, show. He was not the fighter that's got the issue with uh, where I guess the Nelk boys were trying to uh, become their manager, essentially, which I'd really question why anybody would want the Nelk boys as their manager. Um, that was actually Isaac Dolgarian. That uh, kind of won that opportunity, I guess you would say. But uh, Josh Rim stuff up here on short notice against Anthony Hernandez is, is very interesting to see there. But, man, I, I think overall, really looking forward to this fight card. And uh, I, I agree with you what you said about Ian Gary. Probably when it's all said and done, that's going to be the guy that we talk about from the preliminary card. Let's get into the next interview here on the show. You're going to hear from Danny Sabatello, who's going to be taking on Jornel Lugo. You at Bellator 278 on April the 22nd in the one of the wild card matchups in the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that we're going to see a part of the Bantamweight Grand Prix Tournament. Going to kick off here, Bellator 278. Danny, as always, man, appreciate the time. Uh, so, uh, obviously, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to see him. I mean, it's almost going to be a year uh, between fights for you. So, uh, kind of how did this all come together for you for this matchup? <laughs> Yeah, so you know what? I've been trying to fight for a while now, but the bottom line is there's a bunch of fighters that are pussies. Um, there's a bunch of guys that say that they'll fight me that don't. Um, I've been calling out pretty much everybody under the sun, but nobody wants to answer the call. Um, you know, I've had that fight against Brett Johns maybe 11 months ago, I think it is. Um, and then I was supposed to fight Johnny Campbell a few months after that. Um, and unfortunately, I got Corona a couple days before the event, so they obviously had to axe that fight. Um, I was calling for it to be rescheduled and everything, but that's just not the way it worked out. And then after that, it's just been tough getting fucking fights. Um, I was supposed to fight a guy named Richie Palencia a couple months ago, maybe three months ago in St. Louis. He initially agreed to it and then backed out like a bitch once Bellator sent them the contract. Um, so it's really just been crazy and chaos. You know, it's been frustrating just because I've been trying to fight. I've been trying to be an active fighter and it's just not the case. Um, and then finally, I got a call from my manager. I'm going to be fighting Jornel Lugo in Hawaii. Um, and that's just a, great, a dream come true matchup. It's a matchup I've been calling for, for a while now. You know, he's from South Florida. I live in South Florida now. So I'm very familiar with him and, and I've seen some of his fights. So I was just fucking pumped to finally, number one, just get a fight. Number two, fight Jornel Lugo. And number three, fight in fucking Hawaii. What better place? And then uh, a couple of days after that, he calls me and he says, you know what? It's actually going to be in the Grand Prix tournament. So, you know, you just really can't get any better than that. Um, so now I'm in that Grand Prix tournament and I'm fighting Jornal Lugo April 22nd, Honolulu, Hawaii, and things could not just be any better. So when it gets announced by Bellator, my, my first thought was, well, we got a, we got a South Florida connection here with both you guys trained down there in South Florida. And I was like, man, you know, from my point of view, I said, okay, you know what? If you're going to go on one side of the bracket or not, I feel like the side you're on is the side of the bracket to be on. When you saw the bracket, was that one of your initial thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't try to overlook any fights. That's kind of how you get in trouble. You know, when you play devil's advocate and, okay, what happens here, then what happens there, that's kind of how you slip up and lose and you kind of lose focus. Um, right now, the bottom line is I am just totally focused on Jornel Lugo, April 22nd, even though it's going to take a miracle for him to beat me. But, you know, this is a crazy game. Life is crazy and crazier things have happened. You know, the bottom line is he could win. He could get very lucky and beat me. You know, I don't see it happening. Uh, I think I possess too many skills. I'm just better everywhere than him. But you never know. You know, knockouts can happen and, and an easy, quick submission can happen. You just never know. So I hate to overlook him and just look into the next round, which would be Higo and all that but you know right now the, the sites are just on Jornel Lugo and I'm just going to go one by one and take all these motherfuckers out you know I, I think it's a little bit tough not to look past him and see you know what if I did win who would I have you know and I'm not dumb I know it will be Higo and it will be in Connecticut June 24th um, which will be another great fight for me I think stylistically it's another great fight um, but again you know I just got to stay level headed keep my head on a swivel and just picture fucking Jornel Lugo's face for the next two weeks picture pummeling it and that's it you know when i'm in practice i like to put a face a different face in my opponent's um uh, my opponent's face on my um training partners and right now it's just strictly jornel lugo you know when i'm training and i'm shadow boxing i'm doing all that all i'm thinking about is beating the shit out of jornel lugo's face i think when everyone thinks of your fighting abilities the first thing that comes to mind is your wrestling 
In terms of what Jornel Lugo does from a wrestling defense, what's your what's your thoughts of his abilities there? Yeah, he, he has no ability. He sucks. He, I, I think he sucks everywhere, but, you know, specifically in his ground game, it's it's not very good. Um, I've been looking at a little bit of his fights, and the problem is his fights don't really go there. You know, his last fight in Ireland against Brian Moore, the fight didn't go to the ground. It was pretty much a just stand-up brawl. Um, and then even the ones before that, he doesn't really go on the ground, so I don't really know too much about his grappling. I do know that it's not very high level because from what I did see, I didn't really see anything. Um, but you know what? The bottom line is I could beat him on the feet as well. I think I'm just so much better on the feet as well. Uh, I know he's a southpaw and he likes to switch stances and get a little bit tricky. I know he really likes the jab, um, but he doesn't really have too much power. You know, he doesn't have these knockouts. Um, he doesn't really take too many risks. Um, and in terms of the wrestling, you know, obviously my wrestling is going to be better. But again, I just think I'm too good everywhere. Um, I do see the fight playing out on the feet. I also see it playing out on the ground. You know, the, at the end of the day, this is mixed martial arts. We're going to start every round on the feet, and it could go to the ground. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. You know, this fight is going to go wherever I take it, um, and this isn't going to be a quick fight. You know, this is a guy that's been talking a little bit of trash as well, um, so I do want to punish him. I want to make him remember the fight that he has against Danny Sabatello, and that's what exactly I plan on doing. I plan on beating the fuck out of his fucking face, his dumbass face, and I, I just hate it. I want to rearrange it. Um, I, I, I don't like the guy to tell you the truth, um, so I really am going to get a lot of satisfaction beating the shit out of him. Is there part of you that says, I want to win this fight on the feet to shut up the people? Because, like, look, when this fight got announced, I had people say, oh, Danny's a boring wrestler. He's going to go out there and, 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 and use his wrestling. Is there part of you that says, you know what, I know I can win this fight on the feet and I want to prove that to everyone? Yeah, I don't really give a fuck about everyone. You know, the bottom line is half of MMA fans are fucking dumbasses. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I think I, in this game, it's a game of inches. Any way you can get a win, you get the win. But I do like being exciting. Um, I think uh, some people might say my style is a little bit boring. My last fight might have been a little bit boring, but that's just because I'm so much better than the person. You know, when you have, and in any sport, you know, if it's football and there's one team winning 100-0, uh, it's not a very exciting game. It's boring. But when you have a close fight where two teams or two guys are very level in competition with each other, then it's really exciting. You know, the problem is I'm so much better than my opponents that it is a little bit boring just because I'm straight dominating them. Uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is I am as, just as good on the feet. You know, I travel or I train at American Top Team, the best team in the world. Um, so, obviously, I'm getting better and better on my feet. It's a little bit foreign to me just because I come from a wrestling background, but you know, the, the fight will play itself out. I am better on the feet as well. So maybe I do stand up and beat the shit out of him, but man, if he's standing straight up out of his stance, how do you not take him down? Yeah. You know, again, the bottom line is anything can happen. You know, if my hands are an inch away from position, I could get knocked the fuck out. So it is a little bit more risky, but I think I do possess too many skills for him to get lucky. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just see how it plays out. I do want to touch him up on the feet, but I also love strangling guys. You know, I like them feeling helpless. You know, the bottom line is when you torture someone, you don't just tell them, you know what, Hey, go run free. And we're just going to start hitting you and throw stuff at you or whatever. No, you tie them up. You make sure they can't move their fucking body and you torture them and you have them just feel helpless. And that's what I do. I take them down. I put them in a position where they can't even fucking move. They know pain is coming and there's not a goddamn thing they, they can do to stop it. And, and that's just what I plan on doing with him. I'm going to suffocate this bitch and I'm going to strangle him. I want him to always remember the night that he fights me. 
I saw a recent Instagram post you had. It was you and Coach Mike Brown. As you think about, uh, you know, since coming to ATT and working with Mike Brown, is there something that he has said to you that just has really stuck with you? He just really believes in me. Um, you know, that's my head coach. That's a guy that is going to be in my corner for every one of my fights. Um, I don't see an instance where he's not in my corner. We're very close. And the good thing is, is not only is he just the best MMA coach in the world, but he's also a really good guy. You know, he's a guy that, you know, on fight week, he's going to be obviously there with me. And that's just more just a familiar face. You know, that's just a guy that I want to be around. You know, he's a very successful guy. You know, he doesn't really have too many distractions in his life. His whole life is fighting. You know, it's mm. if the coach guys and have them be the best in the world. He's so committed to his craft. You know, he's in there in the gym longer than any of these fighters. And that's just, that's somebody that I want to be around. That's somebody that I want to feed my energy, energy off of. And that's just a guy that I want to wear off on me. You know, he had a very successful fighting career and he's the best coach there is. So of course I'm going to want him by my side. And, you know, I, I work with him pretty much every single day. Um, and, and if I don't work with him on a specific day, because maybe I'm with a boxing coach or a Muay Thai coach or jujitsu or whatever, you know, he's texting me to make sure that I got better today and, you know, have these areas to focus on. And, and the bottom line is, you know what, he believes in me so much. It, it would be a disservice to lose just because that he's put so much time and effort into me. And you know what, as much as I love to take all the credit for my winning and, and I would love to take all the credit. The, the bottom line is Mike Brown deserves a lot of that just because all I do is just follow his guidance. Danny, man, as always, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know anything final social media. And I believe you got a shirt for sale now, right? Yeah, you can uh, go on my Instagram and in my bio, you can buy the shirts, just click on the link. Um, and then again, my Instagram is shock this world. Awesome. Danny, man, I appreciate time and look forward to seeing the fight, man. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Danny Sabatello. Appreciate him coming on the show. And, uh, you know, Daniel, the part of my takeaway from the interview is makes me really wonder if maybe he's going to try to shut up the, uh, the naysayers that think that he's just going to wrestle his way to victory. But I will say this because of his dominating wrestling style, he is my dark horse to make it to the final. Wow. Wow. Fresh off the interview, man. And, and you, that's a nice pick there. I mean, he might be, he might make it to the final as a favorite with all these guys pulling out. And here's the interesting thing. Whoever wins that fight on April 22nd, they come back two months later on June the 24th to take on Leandro Higo in the quarterfinals. Yeah. And yeah. And, and you know, that was a, that was a, when we first saw the bracket, you immediately identified that as, that fight-in guy has got a good chance of going to the semis. And, and once you get there, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, listening to Danny and looking at him, he's, he's got star potential. So if he makes that move to the finals, you know, he uh-huh. could absolutely upgrade his stock and, and be a be a great fighter for Bellator to promote. I'm telling you, boy, he he he's got that uh that it factor of talking of a fight. There's no question about it. Yeah, you know, speaking of that Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix, man, this I don't know if this thing is cursed or not. Josh Hill is uh, reportedly out of this tournament due to injury. Nolan King over MMA Junkie had that story this week. So we will see who Enrique Barzola will now face there uh, in the other wildcard matchup. Of course, you know, the winner of that matchup gets the pleasure of taking on Magomed. I don't know how much that's a, that's, that's a, you definitely want to be on the other side of the bracket uh, in terms of this one. So unfortunate for Josh Hill. I mean, man, it just, you know, huge, uh, huge, huge blow for him. I mentioned about uh, PFL, their card on May the 6th, Kayla Harrison, Ray Cooper III, Anthony Pest, Roy McDonald, 
all on that fight card. But uh, the last thing I want to mention about is the comments Juliana Pena made on the MMA Hour this week about Ronda Rousey. And so I initially saw this, Daniel, on social media. There's times where you read things on social media in, you know, uh, uh, you know, in 140 characters that I think doesn't give you the true version of the story. And I think that the sentiment on social media was, oh, Juliana Pena isn't giving Ronda Rousey the credit she deserves in terms of being a pioneer to put women in the UFC. After I read all the quotes, my biggest takeaway was this, Daniel. She's trying to get Ronda Rousey back in the UFC cage for a fight. Yeah. Yeah, Juliana Pena is just trying to make some money. Uh, hats off to her. You know, I'm look, I'm glad she's not talking about COVID. That's a, a step up in Juliana Pena discourse. This is what she's meant to do. Talk trash about everybody. I mean, she, she, she's a, she, look, she's trying to make life-changing money. And yep. she's someone who is making the most out of this phenomenal thing that she earned, beating Amanda Nunez. So do I think Juliana Pena is going to fight Ronda Rousey? I don't think Ronda Rousey is going to come back. I really don't. I mean, she was so miserable uh, that last fight, you know, during that fight week. And look, Juliana Pena is going to would beat her up pretty bad. Uh, although Juliana Pena would be the best possible matchup for her against a top fighter, to be honest with you. Like, well, actually, no, I forgot Pena knocked out Amanda Nunez. Never mind. Yeah, Julia, Ronda Rousey was nothing at this. All I got to say is I, I, I didn't care for Julian Pena talking crap about pro wrestling. All right, that's personal, damn it. I, 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 feel, I feel attacked. Yeah, speaking of that quote, here, here's what she said. She goes, she's kind of a joke in MMA world now. What is the word? Sellout. A little bit of a sellout there. I guess I understand, right? Like pro wrestling, it's fake. You get paid millions of dollars. I get it. But for me, for the real S, for me, like you're the real deal, I would say that's in the UFC. When I see those comments, Daniel, my first thought is like, Juliana, Ronda Rousey probably makes more money working in the WWE than she did competing in mixed martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it hurts a whole lot less, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think, you know, maybe she's going to follow Ronda Rousey's route into the WWE because that's what she's looking for money. And, uh, you know, Juliana, the thing about her is anytime she does an interview, she, she, she has like, she has her ducks in a row and, and people are going to talk about what she says. And, you know, every, every week, you know, you have about 12 different fighters that, aerial interviews or whomever and uh only a couple of them kind of become water cooler conversation i think the two fighters with the comments that we've been talking about the most this week have been her and obviously hamzat so you know hats off to juliana and uh, i mean i think the other fighter would be you know logan logan paul right calling out patty pimblett he had a good wrestlemania weekend uh he performed well and he kind of shows man this guy can do just about anything dude i uh there's basically about one time a year where i truly watch professional wrestling and it's WrestleMania. Yeah. I watched it. True story. So uh, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch Saturday Live. I watched it on Sunday afternoon. After seeing Stone Cold drink about 80 beers, I go to the grocery store. I looked for the Stone Cold beer. They didn't have it. I was I oh, was gonna man. I was gonna get a 12 pack and watch the Sunday show with the little uh, Stone Cold uh, lagers. I know, dude. Like I feel like Stone Cold's when he agreed to come back. A big part of the agreement was was uh, 
making sure they were going to showcase his beer because I really want to try his <laughs> beer now after watching him give the world's worst stunner to Vince McMahon. Here's my question. Did we not bring back the guy who always threw beers to Stone Cold? Because, man, there was a lot of drops. I know. I know. I hope they did. I, I feel like they should have. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was man, that was awesome to see Steve Austin back out there. It was, it was a fun two shows. I, I really liked him. I really did, man. I thought the uh, the WWE did a good job with that. Yeah, no, I mean, and like uh, I enjoyed the Pac McAfee. I did, you're the wrestling guy here. Yeah. What was the point of him losing the Vince after his match? Okay, so it was kind of stupid, but the whole reason is to get people to boo Vincent Man, to get heat on Vincent Man, right? To so that when Stone Cold comes out he gets what he deserves the uh, the beat down but that was the whole logic is you have uh, Vince McMahon get the crowd pissed off at him for beating Pat McAfee and whatnot but it came across like it looked Pat McAfee I mean Pat McAfee looked like crap that he wrestled this awesome match and he's taking just the world's worst clotheslines from Vince McMahon I mean poor Vince could barely walk in there dude uh, I mean I know you dab one wrestling uh, have yeah, can, yeah. can you perform the you know, stand on the mat and jump up to the top rope like Pat McAfee did. I was like, holy no. crap. No, dude, no one has done more for punters than Pat McAfee. <laughs> That's <I> true. Mean, <laughs> he he should have been a damn corner. I mean, he's that guy's on top of the world, bro. Seriously. Like yeah. to go to to have your awesome radio show that has so much success. Aaron Rodgers on your show all the time. Uh, to go to the WWE and and do amazing, get stunned by Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Okay, all right, bro, bro the way he sold that too with the beer coming out of his mouth as he as he falls to the ground, like that's tremendous. Like I don't know yeah, if that was that planned or not, but if if that was not planned, he just did that. All, uh, that's bro, that's amazing. And then that little clip that was going around of him st- after he got stunned drinking beer. Did you see that? Yes, he I was saw on that. The, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was, it was amazing. It was just truly amazing performance from Pat, Pat McAfee. He nailed it. As someone that, I mean, look, I grew up watching professional wrestling, but I, I don't watch it on the regular. I enjoyed it. I thought I thought yeah. it was it was a quality two days of event. You know, there was I would say I, I thought there was some surprising results, but uh, but man, the, some of the bumps that those guys out there and took, I was like, Whew. the the one where AJ Styles suplexed Edge onto the side of the ring, I'm like, that's got to hurt. This could be <laughs> as scripted as you want. There's no way that thing didn't hurt. Yeah, that's scary too to to go from the top to the apron. There's very little space, and yeah, that does hurt. I mean. It's it's uh, that was crazy. I mean, even Steve Austin took a suplex onto the floor, which is crazy. When they went out to brawl on the on Saturday, uh, he he took a damn suplex to the floor, which is like, damn, that's crazy. But it, it's one of those nights where just everyone says, like, this is my big bump, right? Like, I'm gonna have my WrestleMania moment. But yeah, I mean. It was crazy. I really liked the the match with the jackass guy. I thought that was fun to watch Wee Man come out and do the body slam and everything. Like that was something where if you weren't a wrestling fan, it was still entertaining. It was kind of like they just did a live version of Jackass in front of the audience. I felt like that match was like the Attitude Era of the WWE. Yeah, yeah, totally, a hundred percent. You know, it just like so. It, yeah. I enjoyed it, and like so when Wee Man um, slammed him. 
I was like, clearly Sammy Zayn had to help him in a way. He had like he had to kind of lift himself up a little bit. Or, or unless we manage just that strong. We manage not that strong. I mean what Sammy Zayn's guy <laughs> yeah, probably I mean, what, two thirty, two forty? Two twenty? Yeah, well we man we man with that gut looked about two thirty also. But yeah, I mean Sammy Zayn is honestly Sammy Zayn's probably one ninety, two hundred, two hundred ten pounds. Like okay. he's probably lighter than you think, I would say. Like a lot of wrestlers are lighter than you think. Like some aren't, right? Like Roman Reigns is big dude, but you know, Zami might be two thirty. He might. I mean, he's he's filled out quite a bit, but yeah, it's, that's one of those situations where it's Zami Zayn doing most of the work. You know, just don't fall over, wee man. Like you're kind of like hand standing off of his beer belly and then doing it yourself. Yeah, like it, it, that was like that was a fun match to watch. Like because like yeah. it was it was one of those things. I'm watching it going okay. How are they going to kind of do the whole jackass one-upping each each thing, you know? And then when they bring out that mousetrap, I'm like, hold on. And then kind of the thing doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, honestly, that was the only part of the match that sucked was the mousetrap. That, I feel like Johnny Knoxville's hand was in between the mousetrap and, and Sammy Zayn as it was coming down. And, yeah, that was, like, the prop that probably needed the most work because, like, you know – if a mousetrap was going to be at scale and was going to maintain the same amount of force as a small one to that big size, I mean, Zami Zayn would probably be dead. I think, (laughs) but yeah, that was a, it was a a fun little show. Yeah. Now the question is what UFC superstars next, uh, crossover. Shoot. I don't even know. Maybe Connor. I know he's been talking about it. Connor would make sense. Yeah. I could see Connor. Uh, I could see Masvidal. I could see Kobe Covington. Yeah, yeah, Colby's Colby's a big one. I, I mean, mean, look how look how many of those American top team fighters have ended up on AEW doing some type of thing with Dan Lambert. Yeah, I mean, Paige Van Zant literally signed a deal with AEW, so yeah, you know, I you know, Kane Velasquez. Oh, I guess he's <laughs> never meet you. My bad, I forgot about Kane. But, but yeah, Kane well, did Kane, do wrestling. Um, so he's got a court hearing next week. Okay, I forgot about that. Damn, that just made me really sad. Yeah, that he, made me really sad, Jason. Damn. Yeah, he's got he's got a court hearing next week. Um, I think bail may or maybe it's an it's maybe it's another arraignment. I think I think it's an arraignment because the first hearing was a bail hearing. This one's an arraignment hearing. I mean, I know there is a big push out there for him to get released on bail. I've talked to a lot of people about this, and and they said the one thing that's really stuck to me is you have to take what why he did what he did you have to look at his actions and and basically what said to me is like at the end of the day he's firing a weapon in the middle of a street he could have very easily killed somebody he wasn't trying he wasn't going after and basically saying that's probably why he will not get released on bail damn that sucks man but I guess like also like some of the, you know, the, the reasons why he did what he did have not changed. Right. Like if he gets like, out, I'm saying this right now, know. if he got released next week, you know what I'm doing? If I'm Scott Coker, you're putting him in your oh, audience. Oh, he, yeah. He's in the first row of Bellator 277. It's in yeah. San Jose. Doesn't have to leave us home. Yeah. If he could leave yeah, us, if he I got released, so. if he got if he got released on bail, and he could do whatever he wanted. Oh, if I'm Scott Coker, oh Kane, how many tickets you need, bro? 
Yeah, yeah, bye, man. I hope he gets released, bro. I really do because, you know, it's crazy what happened. You know, what he did was was not great, but I think everyone uh, can understand why he did what oh, he did. Totally. Right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, it's insane. It's he tough. did what every father said they would do. Yeah, but he actually did it right. Like a lot of us just say it, but the thing he, the thing I keep asking people is. You just have to convince one person on the jury. I think where they ultimately get them in is on the gun charges. Yeah. Because like can, you, can you get 12 people to go, to go with a guilty on attempted murder? After, after what the facts of the case come out will be? Yeah, I don't think so. Without, I would really be surprised if that happened. Yeah, I mean, how... how that's the whole thing I sit there is like, if you're the prosecution, like, how do you get a guilty plea on attempted murder when, when the facts of the case come out? Yeah, if it goes to trial, it's a tough proposition for them. Like, I, I feel like if, if, if you're Kane, you're trying to get the same go to trial because you, you, you feel like I can, you can convince one person on the jury to go not guilty. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and probably more than one. I mean, just based on the reaction of people to this story, you probably get more than one. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see whenever that does go to trial because uh, I have a feeling that will be a highly covered uh, trial, not just in the MMA world, but everywhere. Is. So, But that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Do want to thank Linton Vassell and Danny Sabatello for coming on this week's edition of the podcast. Also, I'll let you know, got some interviews coming up over the next week or so. I'm talking to Yancey Medeiros, Justin Gonzalez, Kai Kamaka III, Trey Ogden uh, spoke to Kevin Kroom earlier today. So you can check all those interviews out over at the MMA report.com. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA report podcast, which comes out every Wednesday or Monday or Tuesday. Just depends on when me and Daniel, Hey, you can get together to record the show. And of course you can always check out the show out at radiofluence.com and your favorite podcasting platform. 